If you're here last week, you may remember that Pastor Eric was actually here to launch us off into a brand new sermon series, which is called Habits, right? Developing Spiritual Disciplines, because we all have them. And last week, he reminded us about maybe some misconceptions when it comes to meditating on Scripture and how important it is for us to take the time in God's Word to learn and to grow more with them. And today, I hope I can take you on another journey, the journey of prayer. This is a big one when it comes to our spiritual faith, to talk, to talk with and listen to God. But I also know it's not an easy topic to discuss. But before I get too far into it, I do want to talk about habits in general for just a moment, because I know that habits we have all around us. Actually, I read a study recently by some um, very smart-sounding people, and they said about 40 to 95% of everything that we do every day is the result of habits. And if you think about a habit, so a habit is something that you do without actively thinking about it. So on a conservative spectrum, that means that half of the things you do every single day, you don't think about or you don't make an active decision about. I don't know about you, but I, I can't get up in the morning without coffee. If I don't get my morning coffee routine in, ooh, our staff knows, like, they better stay out of my office. Or maybe you have another one um, that biting your fingernails. Any fingernail biters, you don't have to raise your hands. But, you know, if it starts hurting, you probably should stop. I love how a loving wife just puts her arm on her husband and just pats it. That's awesome. Well, we all have our habits, right? Maybe you're a phone person. You pull out your phone sometime during the day, and like three hours later, you really haven't accomplished anything, but you're still looking at it. Is that your habit? Or my wife. My wife has beautiful long hair, and she loves to play with it. And um, if she gets bored with her own hair, she'll pull in one of my daughters and starts playing with their hair. And then if she gets bored, she starts with me, and then she doesn't get really very far. But it's just, we all have habits around us, right? If I would ask you, you probably could come up very easily with one of your own. But we all have some good habits and some bad habits, right? So things that we know we should be doing more of, and probably some things that we know we should be doing less of. But I want to start us off with a little bit of a little quiz and see if you can help me figure out if this is a good or a bad habit, and maybe you'll be surprised by the answers. How about this one? How about chewing gum? Is that a good habit or a bad habit? What do you think? I'm not going to ask for any questions, but it's funny because I found a study that actually said from Health Magazine that if you have a stick of gum in your purse or your pocket, especially it's got to be sugar-free and minty, don't get me wrong, but if you do that, it actually gives you a healthy boost. It suppresses your appetite and actually makes you more relaxed throughout your day. Who would have known gum? How about this one? I'm guilty of this one. First thing in the morning, you wake up, you roll over, you grab your phone, and you start going through your news feed or notifications. Anybody do that? Is that a good or is that a bad habit? You would think it's actually good because yeah, you're getting into your day right away. You jump in the deep end. You're getting some stuff done first thing in the morning. You know what your day is going to look like throughout the day. But Doctors on Demand recently showed us that it's actually an unhealthy habit because it raises your stress level first thing in the morning right away, and it actually, the body has a hard time bringing it back down, which means that you're going to be more overwhelmed throughout your day, and as a result, you're just going to be less productive. Who would have thought? Now, this one's really going to get me in trouble. How about chocolate? Okay? I apologize in advance. Is chocolate a good or a bad habit? Well, for all the chocoholics and probably most women in this room, I am glad to tell you 
that if you eat two bars of dark chocolate throughout the week, okay, so in moderation, it actually helps fight cancer cells and remove some of the blood clots that are building in your body. So on behalf of the chapel, you're welcome. Now you have an excuse if you want more chocolate. <laughs> All right, one final one, and that's one that I am guilty of a lot. That is fidgeting. Any fidgeters in here? My wife knows me that well that I cannot sit still. So when she bought me a wedding ring, she didn't just buy me a wedding ring. She actually bought me a spinner ring. So if you look closely, you can't see it from where you are, but it actually spins within because she knows I constantly need something in my hands to do something. Or maybe you're one of those finger clickers, you know, like that likes to tap their fingers or the one that your colleagues just probably absolutely love. Like when you click your pen in a meeting the whole time, like click, 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 right? You know all these people. Well, is that a good or a bad habit? It probably annoys your colleagues and your teachers, but the good news is that you can actually burn up to 350 extra calories by simply fidgeting throughout the day. So it helps you keep up some of those excess pounds if you need another exercise, just keep fidgeting. But the bottom line of all of this is simply that we are surrounded by habits and they impact a large portion of what we do throughout the day, which is also why they are an incredible opportunity because we all have areas in our life that we want to get better at, right? Your health, maybe that's it. Maybe it's your finances, your personal finances you finally want to get under control. Maybe it's relationships, it's your marriage, it's your spouse, whatever it may be. We all have habits, and the more we train good habits, the better the outcomes are. And that's what we want to look at. That's why we're focusing on spiritual habits today. And in your sermon notes, in your worship program, there's a page in there that has some sermon notes you can follow along with. There's actually a couple of books that I found really helpful when it comes to developing habits in general. So if you want to study a little bit more on that topic, you can look at those and get those ordered. But I want to give you just a quick summary. Some of the best practices that I found work really well when it comes to developing our habits and so the first one is don't do it all at once, right? Focus on one habit at the same time. Probably it's happened to me. It's probably happened to you. January 1st comes and you're like, okay, this year I'm going to make it. I mean, I'm going to start getting healthy. I'm going to run more. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to, you know, um, buy better stuff. I'm going to watch better movies. I'm going to build some relationships. And then January 2nd comes and you're probably overwhelmed and given up already, Right? Well, that's why it's so important that we just simply focus on one habit at a time. And when you focus on one habit at a time, don't make the mistake of making it too big, okay? If you're not an athlete, getting up in the morning and saying, hey, today I'm going to run a marathon, probably not your best idea, right? So when we want to develop healthy habits, what it does is you need to take something that you're doing in your life and just do it a little more. So one area, focus on one, and then just do something you've already done just a little bit more. Maybe it is running around the block. Maybe it is then going, running down the street and keep doing it over time, which is my third point, is it's going to take time for new habits to develop. Nobody makes a change from one day to the next and has a new habit established. In fact, it actually takes about 30 to 60 days to develop a new habit in our lives. So focus on one, make it small, and be patient in the process. It's going to take some time. The next one is to be accountable to somebody. is a huge help when it comes to habits because it is much harder to hit the snooze button when you wake up in the first thing and say, yeah, I'm not going to go to the gym if you know that your best friend or even somebody you don't like is waiting at the gym for you to work out with. Okay? So make sure you stay accountable when you're trying to develop a new habit. 
And then last but not least is make it a keystone habit. And a keystone habit is a habit that actually is not just focused on that one area. And all of our spiritual disciplines we're going to share over these next few weeks are keystone habits, which means that if you get a better prayer life, it's going to affect other areas automatically in your life. If you spend some more time meditating on Scripture, it's going to have an effect on other areas of your life. And so that's why those keystone habits are so important. And so spiritual disciplines aren't just any magical formula. I'm not going to give you a couple of hints and say, hey, here we go. Just, but the key is for us to focus on them and to do them routinely and just to do a little bit more than what you're doing today. And I'm hoping that I can encourage you to do that with prayer because pretty much most people already pray. Pew Research says that about 55% of all Americans pray every single day. If you want to know a fun fact, actually, it also, the same study says that 12% of all atheists, okay, and an atheist is a person that doesn't believe in God or the existence of a higher power of any sorts, 12% of all atheists still pray on a regular basis. Now, I'm not sure who they're praying to, but they still pray on a regular basis because we all pray. But I also want to give you just a quick disclaimer before we get too deep into the material. And that is, I've sat in your seats before, and I've heard other people talk about prayer and giving messages. And it's really easy for us to sit there and to hear it and to get guilt and shame into our lives right away. I don't think I've ever met anybody that has said, hey, Mark, you know what? My prayer life is so great, and I'm doing well, and everything's wonderful. And you know what? Actually, I pray far too much. I probably need to cut down on my prayer. That has never happened. We all feel the same, and let's just acknowledge that this is the, let's call it the um, Planet Fitness judgment-free zone version of prayer, where we all agree we need to do more, we're not doing enough, but all agree, too, that we're going to go on that journey together and try to do more and not let guilt or shame hold us back to do more than what we need and to establish those new habits when it comes to prayer. Now, as I was preparing for this message, I had our awesome communications team put out a social media post. Maybe you've seen it a couple of weeks ago to say, hey, what are some questions that you have? What are some issues or problems that you have when it comes to the topic of prayer? And I got to admit, I was overwhelmed by the amazing questions that we have received. And if you submitted one of them, let me just say thank you for that, because it really helped me prepare better and making sure that we address, I address what is important to you. And there's some great questions about, well, if God knows everything already and has predetermined everything, does my prayer, my prayer actually still mean anything? Does it make a difference if I pray? Or how do I pray and how do I know that I pray in God's will? was another question I loved. Another one was, well, if I pray for my friend, what actually happens to them if I pray on their behalf? Or am I allowed to pray for anything? Is there things I shouldn't be praying for because they're not important enough? Well, all of those we won't have time to address this morning. But I do want to let you know that I, because they were so great, that I used our beyond the let me try this again, our beyond the weekend devotional. So this is a devotional that we send out via email throughout every week, and it usually follows kind of the message that we talked about. And we send it to you in an email, usually at six o'clock in the morning, so you have it first thing. And this week, 
I'm going to address one question each weekend. And so if you've already seen it, watch out for them. It may help you study more and get more into God's Word when it comes to prayer. But if you don't receive it and would like to, all you got to do is just take that Connect card that Pastor Ryan talked about, put just the word devotional on it, drop it in the giving boxes, put your email on it, and we'll make sure that you receive it, you receive it so we can study, or you can study together with us. But this morning, I do want to talk about three main topics. The first one is, how do I even know that prayer works? Because if prayer doesn't work, then you know, anything we can say and share this morning doesn't mean anything. And let's pretend prayer does work. Well, how does God actually answer our prayers? And what are some ways that God sometimes answers our prayers? And then the third thing we're going to look together at is, is there anything that maybe sometimes stops or even hinders our prayer to God? And the reason why I started with the first question, how do I know that prayer works, is because I know that most of you at least have struggled with this question one or another time in your life. And maybe today is one of those days where you are still struggling with that question. Because you probably prayed for something or somebody, and it was probably a good, good prayer, but it seemed like God didn't answer it. It seemed like you prayed and the prayers hit the ceiling but didn't go anywhere. And if that is you, let me just say a heartfelt, I am sorry. I've been there. I know how sometimes we don't understand why our prayers are not being answered or maybe not being answered the way that we want them to. And you're also in good company, just so you know, because the Apostle Paul, most of you will know who that is. He's the person that wrote most of the New Testament, actually said this in his uh, book to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians says this, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh, which probably was some sort of a health issue. He said, a messenger from Satan came to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. And then he goes on to say that God didn't remove it, that God didn't answer it the way that Paul wanted it. He actually, the answer he got back was saying, let my grace be enough for you. Well, let's look at the Psalms. I love the Psalms are so real sometimes and so raw. And I don't know if you ever felt like this, but this is the question that the psalmist asks in Psalm 88. Why, God, do you turn a deaf ear? Why does it feel like my prayers are not being answered? And so today I hope that I can give you a little bit of hope when it comes to prayer because there's a couple of reasons why I believe that prayer works and why I have seen it work in my own life. The first one is because Jesus believed in prayer himself. If you read the New Testament and the Gospels, which is the stories about Jesus, you'll find that Jesus actually hardly did anything without praying about it first. Sometimes it was a large gathering, a group like ours today. Sometimes it was just with his disciples, his closest friends. And sometimes, many times, actually, he just walked off away from the crowds just to spend time with God alone. To the point where his disciples, so his closest friends, people spend most time with him, only actually ask him one question to say, hey, God, or oh Jesus, can you teach me something? And it wasn't like, if it would have been me, I admit it. I would probably ask, hey, Jesus, that walking on water thing was really cool. Like, can you teach me that? Or maybe it's like, hey, the, you know, we had our picnic last week. God, it would be really cool to know. Teach me how we can feed 5,000 people with just some bread and some fish. I mean, that'll blow people's minds. But that's not what the disciples asked. That's not what they saw in Jesus' life and said, I want to know more about that. This is what they asked him in Luke 11, verse 1, where it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, 
As he finished, one of his disciples came up to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So you can see it's clear that Jesus was a big believer when it came to the power of prayer. But Jesus not only believed in the power of prayer, he actually gave us, you and me, promises in his word about what happens when we pray. This is what it says in in the book of Matthew. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find it. Keep knocking and the doors will be open for you. For everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who seeks will find. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So here Jesus promises us that he will answer our prayers. That he will will listen, not only listen, but he will respond to whatever we pray for. But then as we keep on reading in verse 9, he actually introduces a new analogy. So let's look at this together. He says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Well, of course not. So if you sinful, uh, sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? So Jesus puts Himself in the position of a loving parent that sacrificed everything, that sacrificed His life for you and for me, And if we, who are all sinful parents, still love our children more than give them and answer their questions, well, why wouldn't a loving God answer our questions the same way? But there's another reason why I think and know that prayer works, and that is because I've seen it in my own life over and over again. And if I would ask you, you probably have similar stories. Sometimes there are small answers that that we pray for that are being answered. Sometimes they are huge And one of my favorite stories of all times when it comes to answered prayer is actually relating to my daughter, Chloe. She's now a teenager. She's 17, but at the time, she was about seven or eight years old, and she had a really big problem. She was trying to understand and hear her young mind to say, God, how how does prayer work? And do you really care? I mean, you created the entire universe with everything in it. Do you still care about me and my prayers? And it was really for a long, long time that she struggled with that over and over. And as good parents, we try to explain to her, you know, different ways why this was important and how she should, um, you know, think about prayer and, you know, trying to use some of the points I'm going to share with you in this message. And one thing we tried at the end was to say, hey, why don't you keep a prayer journal? Prayer journal, because I know my own sinful nature a lot of times, I just forget. Somebody asked me, hey, Mark, can you pray for this? And I pray And then I completely forgot, number one, if Jesus ever answered it, or number two, I totally forget to say thank you. And so what we ask her to do is every night to sit down and just write out one page of prayer about anything that was going on in her life. Could have been school, friends, whatever. And then we were going to look back every week to kind of see what God had done through the prayers, just so she would see God's fingerprints in her life. And one evening, she was really, really struggling when it came to the, to, the, to the topic of prayer. And actually, she wrote this letter. You'll see it on the screen. And this is what it said. It says, I'll read it because it's hard to read. But it says, Dear God, please take care of me because in my lungs and my breathing, you can see that I'm crying. And this was all about understanding if God was listening to her. But you see, there's this little water glass on my nightstand. And you know what? If it's full in the morning, 
I know that you are reading my letters and listening to my prayers. And my wife and I, I promise, we did not know what she was thinking about. We did not know what she was wrestling with. But the next thing she knows, I open the door to her bedroom, I grab the glass, I fill it up with water, I put it back on her nunset, and I exit the room. And that seven-year-old girl was absolutely floored. It wasn't the way that she thought God was going to answer a prayer, and we can have a theological debate about, you know, should you ask Jesus to do something for you, or should you give him an ultimatum, or put that pressure on it? But in that moment, that seven-year-old girl knew that God was listening to her. And then actually, if you can read it, it continues. She writes, not only this, but she says, well, God, I was, um, let me see here, here we go. Thank you for already doing it. That was hilarious, God. Me and Papa, we both grabbed that Papa is me. That's what she calls me. And then you can see it in big letters. That was awesome. Sincerely, Chloe. Now, reason why I tell you this is because I think we all, a lot of us have those stories in our lives. A lot of us know that prayer works and we've seen it in our lives. But a lot of times we don't share those stories. And I'm sure there's people in this room right now that maybe have never prayed before because you don't really know if prayer is working and if you should even give it a try. Or maybe you have tried and you've been disappointed and you stopped praying altogether. Well, I want to encourage you today to spend some time, especially today and throughout this week, to share some of those stories about how God has answered your prayers. Because you never know, it may encourage somebody else in your life that needs to hear how God is still answering prayers today. So we talked about that Jesus believed in prayer, right? He lived it out a lot. He also gave us promises that prayer works, and we know in our own lives, we've seen it, many of us, that prayer actually changes things. So why sometimes we feel like it's still not happening? Why sometimes we still have doubts about our prayers and what God does with them? I think a lot of times it's because we have a wrong view of prayer and how God actually answers our prayers. I'll be honest, Chloe and myself many times have made that mistake that we think of prayers like a vending machine, right? We throw in the prayer in the top, we select what we want, and out comes exactly the outcome that we're expecting or that we are asking for. But that's not what the Bible teaches when it comes to prayer. There's actually different ways that God sometimes answers our prayer. And the first one is easy, right? The first one we already talked about, that's the answer, yes. That's when God says, yep, what you're praying for, great, love it, yep, I'm with it, and here you go. That's one way, though, only one way that Jesus is answering our prayers. The other one is probably the least favorite. That's the word no, right? Sometimes Jesus says, well, I, I understand why you're praying for this, and I, I'm in there with you, and I listen to your prayers, but man, you know, sometimes I just got to say no. Do you remember Paul? Even Paul, one of a spiritual hero of all of us, got the answers no sometimes. Or, listen, or if you remember the example in Matthew when God talks about a loving parent. I've got a seven-year-old now at home. Her name is Gracie, and she loves Wendy's, okay? She would eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And she got me wrapped around a little finger, and she knows it too. So every day she comes to me and says, Mark, hey, Papa, can we go and, and go to Wendy's? Would that be possible? Do you think I love her? If I, if I, do you think I don't love her if I have to say no? No. Sometimes as a loving parent... The answer has to be no, even if she thinks that's the best thing for her. Even if she thinks that she could not do any better than that, well, we have a bigger plan. And that's where trust comes in. That's where trusting God 
And Jesus comes in, understanding that he has a view of all mankind, of all the histories in the world. And sometimes, even if it's probably a good thing that we're praying for, the answer still has to be no. But there's a third answer that Jesus sometimes gives us, and that's a hard one as well, because that's the answer, wait. That is, it's not time yet. I'm going to do it, and I'm listening to your prayers, but just give it a little bit more time. And that's a hard one. That's sometimes even harder to understand than the word no. Before I came to the chapel, I, I had my dream jobs all my life pretty much. And I know I'm very blessed that way. I've been able to play, uh, work in professional sports and um, do a lot of things, travel around the world. But the job that I had before the chapel, I was in, we were moving back from Germany, which I'm originally from, and came back to the States. And I just had to take a job to pay my bills, to support my family, to provide for them, because I knew that's what I had to do. And I'll be honest, I'll be very transparent, I hated that job. It wasn't a bad environment or bad people I was working with, but there was no purpose in it for me. There was nothing that I felt like, man, in the morning, I can make a difference in the world like I did before. And my wife will tell you, I came home and I, I prayed a lot for it. I complained a lot about it, believe me. But God just said, wait. And I didn't know that at the time, Right? I thought the answer was no, but actually the answer was wait, and I just had to hold on for a little longer. And that went on for five years. I mean, this was not a quick like, thing that God did, but looking back now, it was the answer wait. And if I look at what I do now every day, it actually helps me to be a better pastor because of the experiences that I went through in those five years, even if I didn't like any minute of that journey. So sometimes, maybe the answer is not no yet. Maybe it is the answer wait for you. So that means that God is not silent. When God is silent, it doesn't mean that he is absent. Because God is always at work. Actually, one of his verses says this. He says, my father is always working and so am I. So it's not like he's not hearing you. It's not like he doesn't want to answer you. He is, but maybe it's just a different answer than you're expecting. And so this means that even when we don't trace anything from our prayers, any direct results, God is still answering your prayers. Or if the opposite happens that you're expecting to, God is still answering your prayers. Or in those moments when we feel like God is so distant, maybe it's just a feeling, maybe he is really close to you in that moment. When you didn't get the job, God is still answering your prayers. When your mom still died of cancer, God is still answering your prayers. Or when you were in a car crash and you're still suffering from the results today, God is still answering your prayers. And it comes down to one question, because the purpose of prayer is much bigger than just the answers we're seeking. It's the path that God wants us to take, because prayer is acknowledging that I can't do anything, and that God is in charge, and He has the power. And it's us, children, coming to the Father, saying, hey, can you help me? Can you come alongside me? And acknowledging that He is the king. And so actually, by the time you pray and you say amen, you already accomplished the goal of prayer is to draw you closer to him. And so if you ever question that, I mean, I want to ask you a hard question, but is your hope in the answer to prayer or is it in the person that you pray to? It all comes down to trust. But there's also a few things that sometimes hinder us from praying or from our prayers being heard. And the first one is really simple, you would think, but it's amazing how many times I forget that one. And that's simply not praying. 
I have people in my office all the time that says, hey, Mark, can you help me? Like, I feel like my prayers aren't being answered, and here's my problem. And I sit there very patiently, and then I will ask them sometimes a question of saying, well, how many times have you actually prayed about that? And then you start them starting to get a little nervous. And I say, well, have you prayed about it? And sometimes they're truthful and say, well, I've worried about it. I've talked to other people about it. I've obsessed about it. But actually, I've never sat down to pray. Well, one thing that you can help your prayer life is actually praying about the things that you pray for or want to pray for. The second thing that can sometimes hinder our prayers is the part to listen. Because it's very easy for us to get distracted in our lives and not listening to the answers that God is trying to teach us. Sometimes I'm so eager to pray and I want God to answer, but I never take time to listen and to give Him the chance to respond to what I've been praying about. So we talked about maybe sometimes we're not praying, sometimes we're not listening, but there's another piece that sometimes hinders our prayer, and I just want to address it real quick, not to make you feel guilty or anything. I, I'm not saying this is what's hindering and stopping your prayers, but sometimes it's good to take a quick check to make sure that we're doing those things because those are things we can control, and that is unrepented sin. And when we talk about unrepented sin and the Bible talk about unrepented sin, it doesn't mean like you know the sins that you're accidentally doing throughout your day, but this is when we purposefully rebel against an area in our life that we know what we need to do, and we know it's wrong, and we know that that's not what God wants us to do, but we choose to do it anyway, then that's sometimes what the Bible talks about that stops our prayers. Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2 say this. He says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear to death to hear your call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. It's because of your sins he has turned away and will not listen to you anymore. Now, Pastor Todd's going to come next week, and he's going to talk about confession, and confession is actually the antidote to this. So I don't want to share too much, but just sometimes take an inventory real quick. Is there any area in our life that I'm rebelling against God? And if not, then that's good. Then move on. But just make a check to see if maybe this is stopping or hindering your prayers. Now we know we talked about that God is answering prayers. He believed in the power of prayer. He gave us promises that they work, and we have our own stories to share. We talked about that God sometimes answers the word yes, no, and later. But then also sometimes, you know, there's things we can do to make sure that our prayers aren't being stopped by just making sure that we do pray, that we listen, and that we don't have unrepented sin in our lives. But I'm a very practical person in case you don't know me. I'm not the big theologian, so I'm very practical. So I feel like I'm doing you a disservice if I just would dismiss you right now. And so I want to just take a moment. And in your worship programs, there's actually a question that we've included that I would love for you to pull out and answer for me this morning. And that's the question. What is just one habit that you can create today in, our li in your life to help your prayer life? Let me say this again. What is one habit that you can create to help your prayer life. And if you remember when we talked about creating habits, and the first thing is make it one. Don't make it a hundred things that you want to start listing. Just make it one simple step. Don't try to say, okay, I'm going to wake up at midnight every night and I'm going to pray for six hours straight. It's just not going to happen. So just take one simple step. And maybe for you that is, if you don't pray at all, maybe you just want to take five minutes every day to start praying. Or maybe if you've been a believer for a long time, maybe it's just five more minutes just make it a little more. 
Maybe for you it is, when you're an outdoor person, maybe it is for you to take a prayer walk. Just to go out in nature and talk to God while you're walking. That's what Jesus did. I'm a very structured person. Maybe if you need more structure in your prayer life, Pastor Todd introduced this concept to me that every day I pray for a specific area in my life. So let's pretend Monday I pray for family. Tuesday I pray for my work and colleagues. Wednesday I pray for missionaries around the world and so on and so forth. Maybe you don't want to pray alone and you say, man, I don't even know what to pray for. Well, maybe you want to consider joining our prayer team here at the chapel. Very simple. Just put in your Connect card, prayer team. There's two ways you can do that. One is you get an email with the prayer requests we're collecting anonymously, and then you can pray for the needs within our people. Or maybe it's time for you to get off the bench and say, hey, I want to pray before and during services for what God is doing right here, right now. Just put the word prayer team, and we'll make sure somebody's following up with you to get you involved. If that's a step, a new habit you want to introduce. Or maybe if you're forgetful like me and sometimes you forget to pray, it is to make the commitment today to say, every time I'm going to text somebody or if I put on their Facebook wall, hey, I'm praying for you, buddy, about whatever it is, maybe to take the time and not just say that, but stop what you're doing and actually pray for that person and that need in that moment because I know I can get too, far too easily distracted. But that card in your worship program is designed to help you be accountable as well. Because we know that, when I said earlier, that's what helps us create new habits. And so there's two things you can do. You can either just put whatever you want on the front, um, whatever new habit you want to create. There's pens in the back if you need more as you exit. And put it on your fridge. That's one easy way. It'll daily remind you about the commitment that you've made about prayer today. Or the other option that you have is if you put your address on the back for me, what we will do is actually in about a week from now, we're going to send this card back to you to keep you accountable and to remind you about the commitment that you've made because creating new habits takes time. And so we want to be in that journey with us. And we also want to pray for the commitments that you're making in your prayer life. But I know I talked a lot about prayer, so how about I finish this off in a word of prayer and then you are dismissed. Dear God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for every person in this room and that it's not a coincidence that they are here. God, I know that you want to teach, talk, talk to me today about prayer. And so, Father, I don't know what we're wrestling with, what has stopped us from pain altogether or maybe discouraged us in our prayer lives, but God, I pray that you speak to us and that you help us to take that next step in our prayer journey, to develop new habits, to grow closer to you. And so, Father, as we go into this week, I pray your blessing over every person here, and no matter what we're going to be encountering, Father, help us to represent you well and to love people and love you more each day. And so, Father, we thank you. And we love you. Amen.